0: Good morning. Good morning. My name is Drew Wilson, uh, and with Stephen Poor, I'm a co-pastor here at Common Table. And as we prepare to send the kids to kids' ministry, just a heads up for our topic today. Uh, we just read the start of the Sermon on the Mount, so obviously we are going to be talking about gravitational time dilation. Right. So... <laughs> So let's rescue the kids from this. Kids, can you head out to Kids Ministry? Jamel is back there. Can we give our kids and Jamel and our volunteers a hand? We love our kids at Common Table. We love Jamel. We love all of our volunteers. Um, and can we name the beauty of the music this morning with the band Landon? Thank you for leading. Megan on guitar, Shay on bass, Nick on djembe, and oh, Joe Hart on the piano. My goodness, that's some tasteful stuff. Oh, okay. I get excited. This is beautiful. All right. Um, But really, gravitational time dilation. You ready? Einstein's theory of relativity predicts something called gravitational time dilation. The further you are from a gravitational mass, the faster time goes. Yes, Stephen. That's right. Okay. An object with lots of mass creates a strong gravitational field. An object with lots of mass creates a strong gravitational field, and that field is actually a curving of space-time, and the stronger the gravity, the more space-time curves, and the slower time proceeds. The time dilation due to Earth's gravity is significant enough, did you know this, significant enough that GPS satellites, which orbit high above the Earth, have to adjust their internal clocks In order to take into account their faster time and therefore accurately determine the location of GPS receivers on the ground, time moves at different speeds depending on relation to something like the earth. Even the difference, even the difference between being on the ground and being on top of a tall building or, say, up on a mountain listening to a sermon by Jesus means that we have entered into a different kind of time. Are you with me? All right. Okay, have you ever heard the expression, time flies when you're having fun? Heard that one. Okay, well, have you ever experienced a shift in time like that? So just for 30 seconds, I will keep the clock, presuming that it doesn't change speed, all right? Uh, Turn to a neighbor for just 30 seconds and share, what was a time that... Time flew when you were having fun. Turn to somebody and tell, okay? All right. Thank you so much for sharing. Love it. We love it. Okay. Well, it can be so powerful to remember and to share together. So thank you for sharing your stories. Okay. Time can be strange, right? Time can be strange. 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours a day that should be pretty regimented, but time doesn't always feel that way, right. does it? Sometimes time flies. Yep. Sometimes it's painfully slow. And maybe most of the time we can experience the same time differently from each other. We are not all calibrated the same all the time. We also we keep different calendars in our lives. And I'm not just talking about Google Cal here. I'm talking about how in this world we track different timelines. All the time. All the time we do this. In childhood, we're waiting for adulthood. Hmm. Mike's still on, just so you know. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God! Hey. There we go. No, that's all right. That's all right. Uh, in childhood, we're waiting for adulthood. In elementary school, we're waiting for middle school and then high school. We're,
1: we're waiting. waiting to
0: drive. We're waiting, training to become professionals. Maybe, maybe we're waiting to become parents. And then maybe we're waiting for milestones with children, like sleeping through the night or getting out of diapers. Or maybe we're waiting for hard news. Maybe we're waiting for good news. The truth is, we keep different kinds of times and timelines all the time. Now, coming up the mountain today with Jesus. Keep in mind, this is the start of something that's called the Sermon on the Mount. That's how the story began. Jesus goes up with disciples and other followers up a mountain, right? And we know, scientifically speaking, that our time is going to be thrown off. If we go up this mountain with Jesus. But time isn't the only thing thrown off. Did you hear what Jesus said? Jocelyn, thank you so much for reading the scripture today. Did you hear what he said? What Jesus said, these sayings are known as the Beatitudes, which are statements that declare certain people to be in a fortunate or blessed circumstance. You may have heard it rendered this way. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. The the initial Greek adjective, often translated blessed, blessed, it means fortunate, happy, in a privileged situation, well off. And in a religious context, it means blessed by God. Now, we just read a translation that uses the word happy, which I think might have helped to shake up our sensibilities around it. Because the Beatitudes off. They are off. They are weird. They are out of step with the ways of this world. Listen again. Let's look at these. Ready? Happy are people who are hopeless. Happy are people who grieve. Right? Happy are people whose lives are harassed. Happy are you when people insult you and say all kinds of bad and false things about you. I mean, this makes total sense, right? No. It's okay to say, no, it does not make sense. This is off. In the Sermon on the Mount, maybe it's not just time that's a little off way up there. Maybe the air is a little thin. Maybe Jesus has oxygen deprivation. Because these statements do not seem to make sense to me. To me, hopeless sounds like the opposite of happy. So does grief. So does harassment. And in this world, it's usually the rich and the privileged who tend to inherit more earth. Not the meek. Not the humble. So whether it's happy or blessed, what gives, Jesus? What gives? You are out of time and out of step with this world. What's going on here? This past week, I was privileged to enter a different kind of time right here in Richmond. I was asked to serve as a guide for United Methodist Day at the General Assembly. You see our state legislature is in session this month and throughout this time a group called the Virginia Interfaith Center for Public Policy organizes groups to go advocate for just policies. And United Methodists have a centuries-long legacy of advocating for the poor and the incarcerated and the enslaved. This kind of connection and advocacy for social justice is one of the things that I love about being United Methodist. Church people come from all over the state of Virginia, and they descend at once on the Capitol, and they meet with legislatures, and they say, Hey, as people of faith, we are here to advocate for criminal justice reform, for health equity, for paid sick days, for affordable housing. I got to have some cool conversations with some uh, legislators this week. Um, this is my uh, United Methodist sister, Brenda Neesmith, on the right. And we are with our delegate. We are constituents of Delegate Rodney Willett, who is Episcopalian, by the way. So he rejected everything I had to say. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, was, no, he actually said, I vehemently agree with everything you have to say. Don't you love it when people say that to you? I vehemently agree with everything you're saying. Ah, oh, Yeah. Uh, But here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. I was there for one day. I was there for one day. And the people at the Virginia Interfaith Center for Public Policy have been doing this work for a long time. They have done the work. They have lobbied for years, organizing advocates, experiencing both heartbreaking disappointment and soul-filling victory. This week, the big victory was that a bill to limit the use of solitary confinement got out of subcommittee. Right? I mean, it's good news. It wasn't passed. It got out of subcommittee. That's a big deal. And it has the opportunity to be a really big bipartisan bill. Okay? So that's good news. Very good news. Now, not all the legislative priorities are accomplished in one day or even in one year or even in five years. You see, these people operate in a different timeline. For those of us who want it done in a day, well, thank God there are people who operate in a different timeline. It's the kind of time that Dr. King described when he said, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. It's a different timeline. It's the timeline Of God's heaven on earth when Jesus shares the Beatitudes he is inviting us to live into a different timeline okay Jesus shares the Beatitudes inviting us to live into a different timeline you see religious people of that time were waiting for the kingdom of Israel to be restored They were waiting for the Roman oppressors to be kicked out. They were waiting for God to restore Israel as a political power forever. And to recall the words of the Lord's Prayer that we repeat every Sunday here at Common Table, Jesus is talking about the timeline for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done. Sound familiar? So Jesus talks about that too. But Jesus has a different kind of kingdom in mind, and that's what we see in the Beatitudes. Jesus invites us into waiting on that timeline, and also, not just to wait, but to live into that timeline now. The Beatitudes refer to acts, not just attitudes. So let's try to make new sense of the Beatitudes. I don't want you to just think I think they're nonsense, all right? Let's try to make some new sense of the Beatitudes in this light. I'm going to borrow from two biblical scholars named Craddock and Boring. (laughs) So get ready, all right? Okay, let's try this. Happy are people who are hopeless. Hopeless, those who do not claim a robust ego or self-importance. But those whose identity and security is in God, because the kingdom of heaven is already theirs. They're already living into that timeline. Happy are people who grieve, who mourn. Those people who lament the present condition of God's people and God's program in the world, because this is the community that does not resign itself to the present condition of the world as final, but it's the community that laments that God's kingdom has not yet fully come and God's will is not yet fully done. It's the community that looks at police brutality and longs for reform. It's the community that looks at places like Memphis and the tragedy of Tyree Nichols and says... This world is not done, and this is not the way things must be. Happy are people who hunger and thirst for justice. Not people who merely long to be personally pious, but those who long for and act for the coming of God's kingdom where justice and equity define the day. Mm. Happy are the merciful. The Greek word refers not just to a merciful attitude, but to concrete acts of mercy. Again, the Beatitudes refer to acts, not attitudes. It's those who show mercy. Not just feel it in their heart, but those who show mercy. Happy are the pure in heart. Those who are devoted to God with all their heart, and they don't divide their heart among a variety of idols. Happy are the peacemakers. You hear that? It's not passive. It's not happy are the peacekeepers. No, it's those who make peace. It's active. Happy are those harassed for righteousness, for justice. Michael Brown, a professor of mine, says, It appears odd to us that Jesus would say such a thing, but persecution has often been a consequence of righteousness. Nelson Mandela was locked in jail for decades because he spoke out against an evil system, apartheid in South Africa. Michael Brown says, Disciples should not be afraid to sacrifice creature comforts and even their own reputations for the mission of God. Happy are those harassed for righteousness, for justice. So the Beatitudes are... How we live today into a different kind of timeline. The timeline of God's kingdom come and God's will done on earth as it is in heaven but I don't want you to hear this as reducing faith to just one more checklist that, we can never satisfy. Like, blessed are the mourners. Well, I'm mourning today, and and Tuesday I'll be a peacemaker and I'll advocate at the General Assembly, but, oh, my divided heart, tomorrow I'm busy watching The Bachelor. Or not. You see, the Beatitudes can guide, they can help guide our action and our reflection, but when it comes to... Living in a different timeline, oh, how do, we, how do we do that? You can say it. How do you do it? Well, there's something even more primary than just keeping a checklist. And I offer that this thing is, is really the primary piece. It's the heart of discipleship here at Common Table. Our small groups and our devotional books and our private prayer are wonderful. Hear me. I really care about those things. And I am literally wearing out my Benedictine breviary with years of use. It looks like garbage. It's falling to pieces. I love that stuff. It's very important to me. But all those things are secondary. Okay? All those things are secondary. Our primary way of living into God's timeline is through the liturgy. This may be new, this may be old, I don't know, but ready? Our primary way of living into God's timeline is through the liturgy. And what I mean by liturgy is the worship that we share together that follows a different timeline called the liturgical calendar. It is literally a different timeline that we follow in worship. It's different from the calendars that we share in work and in school and in business You know what I'm talking about? Like around December 1st, we start with the season of Advent, and then we get into Christmas, and then we celebrate Epiphany. We're in the season of Epiphany now. Then we get into the season of Lent. It is literally a different timeline. We follow the timeline of the birth and life and death of Jesus At Easter, we celebrate resurrection. We live into that mystery and then the mystery of Pentecost. Throughout the year, we live into this mysterious timeline that we repeat each week. This mysterious timeline that we repeat each week when we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Some of y'all know it. Do you know that is the alternate timeline that we are living in? It's the same mystery in the Beatitudes. It's the mystery of the kingdom that is yet to come and yet is already ours. We practice living in this tension of God's timeline whenever we share in the liturgical drama out of time and out of step with the world around us. Think about it. In a divided world, we break bread to become one. In a greedy world, we break bread to share. In a world marking time with a doomsday clock, we mark time telling a different story. Happy are we who follow Christ to the death. For we have already seen death defeated in resurrection. We live accordingly. We follow that timeline accordingly. Jesus invites us into a different way together. A different timeline. A different trust. How sweet to trust in Jesus. It's liturgical. Will you live this different liturgy this year? Will you do that? Will you, will you come and follow and never be the same? Let it be with us all. Amen. Amen. I invite the band to come up. And as we sing this song of Christ's invitation, I encourage you all to take it to heart and hear it as a, as a summons to a different story in this world. You are bombarded with stories in the news all the time. Here is the story that we're invited to share. Let's sing.
1: me if I but call your name will you go where you don't know and never be the same will you let my love be shown will you let my name be known will you let my life be grown in you and Will you leave yourself behind if I but call your name? Will you care for cruel and kind and never be the same? Will you risk the hostile stare should your life attract or scare? Will you let me answer prayer in you and Will you let the blinded see if I but call your name? Will you set the prisoners free and never be the same? Will you kiss the leper clean and do such as this unseen and admit to what I mean in you? Will you love the you you hide if I but call your name? Will you quell the fear inside and never be the same? Will you use the faith you found to reshape the world around? Through my sight and touch and sound in you and you. Lord, your summons echoes true in you, but call my name. Let me turn and follow you and never be the same. In your company I'll go where your love and footsteps show. Thus I'll move and live and grow in you and you.
0: Be with you. Um, my name is Stephen Ford, and I am one of the co-pastors, a part of this community. And I'm just so glad you're joining us uh, today, as we continue in our Epiphany series. Echoes. Uh, I don't think there's any mistake that you're joining us today. In fact, um, my hunch is my hunch is is that you're going to walk out of this place today um, thinking a little a little bit differently about time and the invitation that Christ has placed on your own life to think differently about God's kingdom that wants to
1: burst into this world. That's part of the reason why we do what we
0: do here at Common Table, whether that's in a few minutes lighting candles, standing up and lighting candles as an act of prayer, the prayers we bring to God that are a part of this world, or whether or not that's the offering.